Welcome to your typical Shona protagonist. He's Kai, I'm Kells, and today we're talking about Bubble. First off, Kai, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, I like the whole let's watch a movie, let's catch up on our real life stuff, let's, you know, have opinions about quality products. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, this, this, this is fitting my vibe right now. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So, Bubble, Wit Studios produced a movie in 2022 about a post apocalyptic Tokyo where kids do parkour to secure supplies as they live out their lives in an exclusionary zone filled with like, gravitational bubbles and water because they're orphans and have nowhere else to go? I mean, that sounds like about a lot of other, like, Japanese movies, honestly. Um, they love the post-apocalyptic to- Tokyo trope. It's like, it's it's every Shinkai film, honestly, uh, for there be your name or um, Weathering With You or something along the lines of that, but... Um, this one takes an interesting, I mean, they all take an interesting toll on it, but this one's just like really wild kind of, if you know what I mean? Like it's bubbles and I'm just like, what? Yes. Bubbles. And no, I, I agree with you, you know, and, and even so far back as like the eighties and nineties where they're like, it's Tokyo, but Tokyo three, we've gone through two other Tokyos mm-hmm. or it's Neo Tokyo where we have experiments and don't worry what happened to old Tokyo. Yeah, definitely. Like even so far back as Godzilla, like Godzilla is coming from the depths of the sea and is going to blow up Tokyo because one, that's the mass populous center of, of Japan. And two, it's a giant lizard. Yeah, no, definitely. Tokyo getting something happened to it is very much a Japanese kind of plot point. Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, it does a great job of, you know, having the destroyed Tokyo aspect. I feel like this does like a really good job of it as well because, um, another, like you said, to procure, well, I don't know if you said to procure these supplies that they have to do parkour. Uh, you might have said that. But, like, this is also parkour the movie, which is very interesting because parkour is not something I've seen a lot of in anime. Yes, we see, like, jumping off buildings and everything, but those aren't, like, particularly parkour. And this is very parkour-focused to the movements and things like that. So it's very cool to see it take, like, a focus as an aspect of the movie. And I feel like it's something, like, <laughs> I don't want to say only Japan, but, like, the creator of this... um well, the creators, because this is coming together of a group of people, but the writer was, of course, um, our guy who did um, Madoka Magica, whose actual um, name is... Gen Urabuchi. Yeah, Gen Gurabuchi. I'm sorry, I forgot you, Gurabuchi. Um, or Urabuchi. Um, <laughs> but that man is like... If you've watched Madoka Magica, which I feel like you have, correct? Yeah, yeah. You see that he uses, like... Very almost like non predictable means, like of like 
that whole show redefines what a magical girl is. And when you see, like, the clowns and the bombastic monsters and everything and how um, they move and everything, I feel like that was kind of resembled in the movement of the bubbles and everything. You know, like, at certain parts, especially doing the red bubbles and stuff like that towards the end. So him, like, kind of... Like, we see his, like, kind of influence coming into Bubble. And that also works really well with the parkour aspect because of, like, the movement getting place to place and the destroyed um, Tokyo. It was done really well. Like, I really enjoyed the parkour aspect. It's probably my favorite thing from this show. Definitely. You know, it, it it's a singular... So, you know, we have this show. The plot is very... All right, I'm going to say it. It's simplistic. All right. Tragedy happens. Mass change in Tokyo happens. Kind of this, you know, post-apocalyptic thing. And then it's just about characters living in this post-apocalyptic world. So, you know, we have very drastic events going on, but the plot is very kind of straightforward and basic, which may be kind of where this falls short in a lot of aspects. Uh, not that it's bad, but this is one of the par- parts of the movie that is kind of lacking uh, for some. So, yeah, you know, but I mean, equally, we're bringing together so much uh, talent here that they could take a plot that has some some weak parts to it uh, and still make an incredibly satisfying experience to, ex- to, to watch, you know, because uh, we're dealing with Swano. Of course, scoring the film. Yes, the GOAT, the absolute GOAT, who has done Attack on Titan, uh, Guilty Crown, um, his own music, which is amazing. Um, 86. 86? 86 is my baby. Um, God, I know he's done so much more. Um, he's recreators. Um, but we're also dealing with Seven Deadly know, other Sins. folks, as we mentioned with Gen Urabuchi, Writing uh, Madoka, Magica. Madoka Magica, the first, you know, uh, Fate Zero. Yeah. Psychopaths. Yeah, he's done. And if. Go ahead. No, oh, no, I was going to say he's done a lot. Like, stuff that you wouldn't even think he's done, which is wild. And of course, a lot of these are adaptations for film, uh, adaptations from the manga source to get this to uh, anime. But still, mm-hmm. you know, the it, making those transitions so seamlessly with these uh, mediums is excellent. Um, also, you know, I just want to say something right quick. Do you know that oh Orobuchi is doing the Ruby like anime reboot type thing? I didn't know that offhand, but seeing you know because uh, of course you and the rest of the Content Breaker Squad are deeply invested in Ruby, and so to have Ruby the actual whole ass anime come out of Studio Shaft mm-hmm. uh, slated for hopefully twenty twenty two. Uh, is incredibly exciting, and to uh, as you had mentioned, that to see Urabuchi uh, be a writer on that, you know, you you that that's the same reason that Bubble is so successful, even with its uh, simple plot. Mm-hmm. Is that you have a, a star-studded team that can really bring the heat and bring the expertise and know how to make a good movie, no matter what. Um, you know, e- even the character design, right? You got a story that that's okay works. He's he's working with the best of these got. You've got a score that really you know works because, of course, it's Swano. Yes, 
but also the character design coming out of Takeshi Obata of Death Note, Death Note fame. Yes. Like <laughs> what? Yeah, no, it's wild, man. It's like I feel like they're just I feel like how this came to be. It's like a bunch of successful friends just get together. It was like chilling or something. It was like, hey, why have we never done a project together? I mean, we could, you know. We got the goat here. And we got the other goat. And then he's definitely a goat. Yeah, she's a goat too. So this is what, um, what's that godforsaken mech anime from like a few years back that should not have existed? Darling in the Franks. Yes, this is what Darling and the Frank should have been. Yeah, for mech anime, 100%. except they fucked it up. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But no, definitely. So, so you've got this team of incredible uh, artists, and that is really what makes a film like this just work. No, I agree. I agree, and kind of seeing, um, kind of seeing. All these come together. It's like, okay, I do feel like it also might suffer. I'm going to be critical. It might suffer from too many chefs in the kitchen syndrome, but not like suffer, suffer, but just like, because I'm just going to say overall, um, non-spoiler review, or I mean, we've already spoiled it. This I'd give this probably like a solid eight, probably an eight for me, maybe a 7.5. I don't know. It's, it's not like at the yeah. top. It's good. Think, it's not great, but it's good. Um, I think I agree. It's a solid eight. Yeah. It, it is It is not, you're not wasting your time, and you get to see something really cool, and you get to hear something really cool, but I don't know if it's particularly memorable outside of your experience. Yes. I will rewatch clips, but I would not rewatch the whole thing. Um, but I feel like what separates it from being great is that it might, like, you've got all these big names, like, you know. But a lot of shows with these people, like, you know, they're normally the only ace on the squad, you know, um, the studio wit, like, that's a different story because, you know, like the studio isn't really trying to, they're just bringing what's on paper to life. But when you look at 86, you know, like we see Swano as, you know, the music, but we don't have another like crazy recognizable name on the staff, you know, and the same that thing we know. Yeah. That we know of. That's like star like that type of power you know and like same thing with Orobuchi. like you know we didn't really know um any any other crazy big people coming on like alt noah zero okay well swano was also i think swano did the music on Alt Noah zero too so that was a bad example but, I, I would say that this is an this is a concern when you have this many big name uh, artists on one project but it doesn't really show the the any kind of real friction between them. Yeah, so it's not like I'm not saying it has the friction, but I'm saying like sometimes I feel like the issue was you may have ran into who to highlight the most, you know? Because like don't get me wrong, the music was slapping all the way, the character design was slapping. But I feel like maybe because everything else was so good, the writing didn't have to be as strong. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, like, you knew that you had like a reliable teammate, so everybody wasn't like clawing out the dirt. You know what I'm saying? And also, I don't know. I I get I get what like the point you're getting at. Yeah. Also, I don't know how much like they were in the same room. Yeah. Because you know? 
I, that that could very well be the case with the with you know Urobocha doing the writing, uh, but maybe the you know also directorial uh, stuff may not have come across. I think it was good, but maybe the, there wasn't enough meat on the bone for the project to really ascend to higher uh, higher level. No, I agree. I agree. So, um, let's talk about animation. Yeah. So animation, um, the incredible wit studio who has done so many great animations such as, you know, Vivi, such as attack on Titan seasons one, three, all parts such as, um, you know, they're currently working on spy family with Cloverworks. Um, they've also done, um, that show that just came out ranking of Kings, which was pretty ballin the great villain saga, which was dope as shit like please watch villain saga oh my god um commentary of the iron fortress which i felt like it's better attack on titan um uh i i say i feel you know um and you it's know, wild how much wit studio has actually done though yeah honestly. pokemon the power of us is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh i did I, I see yeah yeah but um no, they've done like so much. So I when I saw Studio Wit, like on top of all this, like this, I will say Bubble had a lot of a lot to go. Like you know, it had mountains to climb with me. So for it still being good with all that, I feel like that says a lot because my expectations were un probably unrealistic based off of who the cast was for this. Like, even including the voice actors, like. Because, yeah. Yeah, star-studded. Like, yes. in, in both means, both the artists and the voice actors, uh, with studio, just just doing it. And I'm I'm glad they continue to do, be so successful. Uh, but, I, I, yeah, you know, honestly, to see... Because that's all you get in the pre-production. You get images, and you get talent rosters. Mm-hmm. So to see what their potential is, and then to see the actual product, uh, you know, it can it the expectations can outweigh the actual reception to it, which is you know it it is part of the experience, unfortunately. Yeah. So, but it was like I said, like it's still good. Don't get me wrong. Like, and I think most surprising to me as well um because i know we're talking about the animation um no let's let's just talk about the animation so the parkour scenes man were so freaking good especially like the synchronized parkour we had between our two main characters when we were in the um uta song like when she was singing and everything like her la 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 moment and whatnot um what's what's dude's name uta and I want to say Hibiki, but it's not Hibiki. That is definitely from one of the other. That's his name. Is it really Hibiki? Yeah. This man totally has the same name for these are the same names for weather with you. But anyway, Kai, there's anyway, only like anyway. 17 Japanese names. I know, but anyway. Anyway, so and if you Google it, that's a whiskey brand. Great. God. But um, Hibiki and Utada, when they're doing their synchronized parkour when she's singing her song, um, it's such a flex, man. Like when they're training for the um tournament thingy, my jigger. But well, 
that that's really just them experiencing each other. Like, yeah. He so we get into the story. He he's heard this song before, and he's chasing this song, and then she starts singing it at his secret spot of flowers. And then they go off and they dance on the bubbles together, you know, doing the parkour and and not touching because heaven forbid they touch because one is a fucking bubble. Uh, spoilers. And the mm-hmm. other is a human just trying to exist in this world. Uh, but definitely no to your point. Um, the, the parkour animation doesn't miss. Now you had raised something with this is uh, is this does this feel like rotoscoping? On, on the parkour movement. And the parkour animation ranges from really precise to really rough, depending on the scene, because the level of action and the level of importance that the viewer needs to pay attention. Um, I would say that n- none of this really feels rotoscoped, you know, maybe in some specific scenes, but not not really. Not Nothing screams hyper-realistic body movement. Um, but equally for me, that goes to speak to the, the animators and the artists knowledge and skill in portraying the human figure without having to take a reference photo and, and, and draw on top of it, which there's nothing wrong with that. As long as it gets you to the goal of, of your, uh, your intention, right? Cause, uh, we see that with. Uh, the very important, intense scenes with uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. You know, that's how you really sell the important, hyper-intense scenes is you rotoscope folks. Mm -hmm. But to see Wit Studios artists just do this from the dome and reference images and not just simply having a uh, model do this on video and then animating the character on top of them, really speaks to the the weight and talent of their artists in my mind. Yeah, and the fact that like the fact that they did this in like the fact that Wit Studio is going through what they're going through because like I don't know, they're in danger of bankruptcy and a lot of stuff has happened and then other their bigger studio has come to take in and they've lost people, people have moved to other studios, they've lost a lot of IPs such as um Finland Saga. And, of course, we know Tackle Titan went to MAPPA when they just kind of lost a lot of stuff. But for them to still put out the quality of not only this, um, but the quality of Spy X Family, too. Granted, they're working in conjunction with Cloverworks. But for them to still, like, flex this much strength is very important. And gives me, like, a lot of hope as an anime fan. Because I hate seeing studios fail and fall off. Like, that is always tragic to me because I become, like, attached to the certain animators and stuff. And, you know, um, but just seeing the amount of quality, even from, like you said, like, the buildings, like, the running, the body movements, the jumping, everything. Like, even the eyes and stuff. It was like there was no misses, you know. I didn't feel like there was any, like, lazy frames in this. Um, and I just really got to give it up to Wit Studio, you know. Like, I, I think I rewind it um the scene with uta and habiki like competing in like the stuff to save homegirl and when she like lost her arm <laughs> and turned into bubbles i think i rewinded that like twice because i was like yo i gotta i gotta like see this that's so let's uh let's go directly to blood why not okay so you're 
the thing you just mentioned was about the the whole kind of final climax where we're pushing ever towards the end and this is the the very beginning of the climax where the scientist gets kidnapped because the ninja team is full of shit and uh the scientist is now like the the prize for completing the the game because parkour is not only a sport it's a sport in which these people compete in like fair play presumably to like get supplies it, it's post-apocalyptic crazy but not crazy because it's like high school kids mm-hmm. so it's and and go on go on no you got it you got it so you know that's kind of this this setup for this this plot point um which you know we had to go through so much kind of to get here where hibiki the main male lead opens up and you know relates to not only the female lead which is uta the bubble girl who no one knows this except maybe our scientist lady because she's like here's a glove i'm not gonna ask no questions yeah um but, you know, not only opens up to Uta, but also opens up to his team and them striving to save um, the scientist lady. Like, the the plot is very... It, it does well in getting you to feel things, but is not particularly deep in terms of lore, reasoning, or whatnot. It, it, it is simply very effective at evoking emotion in the times where it needs to more so the a plot is very fleshed out and successful in evoking emotions the b plot of like the team and everyone existing is kind of whatever yeah how do you feel about it about the plot sure um i feel like the plot's basic honestly it feels like it's been like i said it feels like a shin guy film or Makoto Shinkai film where oh disaster happens we gotta stop a disaster but we love each other um but one of us I mean okay there are some differences and like I said this is referenced like it takes inspiration from the little mermaid as it says like with the siren songs and whatnot and him hearing it there were a few things that were done different that I really liked um and I felt like bubble could have been like, don't get me wrong. It was a great movie. It was a great ONA. But I feel like it could have been so much better if it was a series, like maybe a short series or something, like six episodes. I don't know. Um, but I really liked what it did with Habiki's character having, you know, he wasn't just alone or anything. He had, like, a hypersensitive disorder, which I believe is a form of, like, autism. Don't get me wrong. I just know. I believe it is. Um, where noise and everything is like super sensitive and you become overstimulated. And we got seeing that little like transition and then where his mom just tried her best but then like left him like with a group like really like hit for me because I was like, okay, wow, I haven't really like seen this before, you know. And I feel like that was a good like added thing to a already done formula. And as well, um, kind of just... Her, like, Uta, like, not being, like, like, normally, I've seen this times, like, let's, have you watched Darling in the Franks? I have not, no. Okay, um, 
Well, there's been other shows. I was going to use Darling Frank's example, where like there's a character who is like made or created or something like Uta is, and they have like a tendency for like violence or something that makes them feel like a monster, and you know, gives them like like a Mewtwo, the Mewtwo story. Yeah, like they have like a monster element, and it didn't really feel like Uta had a monster element, you know, like if like she was just someone or something who. I cared about Hibiki and saw that he was dying and like her want for him not to die manifested her this body made of bubbles. So I thought that was interesting. I thought Hibiki's like origins of why he wears the headphones and Utena not being like a monster, just being like someone who like, you know, wanted to experience life and kind of figure out who she was. I thought those were nicely added to the plot. Um, but the plot overall was like something I had seen before. But I wasn't mad at it, though. Like, Yeah. And I really liked the character designs. Um, I feel like those came in really clutch. You know, our boy... Um, oh, Lord. Our boy, Death from Death Note, whose name I should totally remember. Um, he knows who he is. Um, <laughs> sorry, I will... Obata? Ob- Obata? Is that who it is? Yeah, Takeshi Obata. Yeah, Takeshi Obata. I'm so sorry. Um, he did... A great job. You know, I love the dynamics of the blue blaze team and like the guy who looks like he should be in like guilty wars or something like the guy on the boat who gets the people to fall when they fall off and everything. Mm. And like the creepy robot people who are like, do you want to buy our boots? No. Save. <laughs> um, girl, I was like, okay, that scene. But um, the YouTube streamers who were doing anything for clout. Um, which felt yeah. like that was crazy to me. Like I was like, "Is this commentary on like the current oh, no, state it's of just, culture?" It, it's, I would say, it's less commentary and more relatable. Yeah. Like, hey, here's these people doing these things for the kids that are currently watching this movie, and by kids, I mean like ten to I don't know, twenty two. Yeah. Youngins. Yeah. So. Um, now, so plot wise, this is kind of tangentially based on uh, Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid. Thankfully, it doesn't go so dark as that story does, but it definitely focuses on some different points than the the Disney film per like focuses on. Um, where you know Uta is living a life that she can't follow through on. Because of the circumstances, you know, uh, Hibiki is the prince and she is the little mermaid. And that is always going to end in disappointment because she will turn into foam. Um, <laughs> now, one big thing I like to uh, like a plot point I like to talk about is we have this older male figure whose name I cannot find just in passing. Uh, but the older male scientist, you mean Shin? who's like maybe Shin? I don't I don't know, man. I think you should. Yes. We're going to go with yes. Yeah. Um, But where he's like, I'm here and I'm here to like keep these boys together and in line. And he's the one that judges the contests of, of parkour. But also he has like a deep story about like, he's always tried to get to the top of the tower to like the singularity point. But he's also had like a tragic accident there that we only find out about later on in the film. Like they could have almost played this point a little bit earlier. Yeah. But I think the whole 
plot with him plays well either way where it's like he's been striving to get to the tower we find out about his bad leg and then we get to see him go into action to help uh hibiki go on and save uta when it's time even at the cost of blowing up his prosthetic leg like he does what it takes to help like the successor go on yeah no that's what that was really dope um i really liked his character like you said for many reasons and just seeing what he did um with his metal leg and like the parkour and everything i thought was like really dope and um i feel like his rotoscoping was done really good when he was like showing him like the way he was like hey here's how you get here um xyz and all that i thought that was really cool and um yeah he was uh i know he was in something because i recognized the voice um he was actually yuki kaiji what's that yuki kaiji yes he was in um oh he was benny maru in fire force so you have not seen fire force so you would not um recognize he's also been in a load of other things yes 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 he's been in a load of stuff as well but um i think it was i think i recognized him from benny maru more so but he was also in tokyo cool you didn't recognize him from pokemon black and white rival destiny i did not miss what pokemon like that he was guild thunder in seven deadly sins he's aaron yeager is he really yeah oh (laughs) <laughs> huh i only knew this from the wiki <laughs> shows shows how much i care about attack of titan but yes he's aaron yeager um he's also phoenix Wright for those who care he's also uh todoroki from my hero wow why is none of that like i mean i guess buddy maru and todoroki are the same person so i guess that makes tangential uh, sense sure very much so so um all right, let's uh, round this out with one final question or a topic point. This is Wit Studio. Mm-hmm. Wit Studio, I, I, we've seen a number of their other products, but there's one that really sticks out as having a real influence in their kind of slice of life adventure action genres, and that is the specific art style that we have seen with Vivi. Yep. Vivi has this kind of cutaway or emphasized stylization frame where they focus on a character's face and they they cut the hard outlines around the face and they kind of go more softer and focused on kind of a melancholy emotional look. How do you think that kind of iconic uh, decision-making artistically worked in Bubble. I think it worked well, especially with, like, Swano's music. Um, Because, like I said, the scene where she was, like, coming out of the water and, like, she was really jumping around and then, like... No, it was a scene where he showed her the flowers, like, and stuff like that. Um, And he, like, she had the shell and everything. That was done really well. Um, I also liked when they were fighting the red bubbles at the end and 
again, spoiler, <laughs> I mean, you got this far. But, like, when she was kind of, like, dying or turning back in the bubbles, and you like, kind of saw the look on his face and everything, like, how downtrodden he looked, I felt like it did really well capturing, like, the moments of beauty and, like, the moments of pain. I feel like that's what it's done really well for um and Vivi there were like some moments like when she was just laying in the chair for like no reason and they did it and I was kind of like okay but like here I felt like it was used more I feel like maybe we could say they learned from Vivi um by using that I would say I would dare to say but I thought it was doing pretty well you know and I feel like it also had um like a few influences from Cobbin area of the Iron Fortress too in terms of like um movement because, like, Uta moved a lot, like, um... Did you watch Cobbin of the Iron Fortress? Yeah. What was her name? Mume? Mume, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't hit me with that question. Oh, yeah, sorry. Mume. <laughs> she, like... She moved very much like Mume. Like, exactly. So I felt like there was a lot of... Um, Mume was the girl who was the Cobbinary. Who, like, had the ribbon and stuff and took it off her throat and went ape shit. Sure. Yeah. So, but the scene with my man at the end that really like articulated that Viviard style was him like crying at the end. Like I was <laughs> yeah. like, "Yo, they didn't have to do my homie like this." Like, but I thought it worked. How did I, you feel about it? I I think it worked well. It was kind of out of place because it wasn't more evenly spaced. But they were trying. They were experimenting. It was it was kind of more front end centered. Um, with her and then her in the bedroom and then we didn't get much until later but I think it worked well it's it stuck out and that's kind of the point yeah um, non-verbally selling some kind of interest or emotion uh, so you know I think it worked I agree um, how did you feel about the ending where she's turning back into bubbles I don't I just Honestly, bro, I just want to see one time where the character can be freaking happy. Like, and, you know, I know there's, like, like I said, the Shinkai films, they always technically end up together, except for, like, really your name, because you don't really see them together. But, yeah, whatever. Um, but I, I, All right, I got you. I got you, Bunny Girl. Okay, yes, Bunny Girl, I will give you that. But more, but more, yes. Yes, um... <laughs> I mean, even Bunny Girl, like, okay, no, Bunny Girl was great, because, yeah. Anyway, yes, but more. Um, I understood, you know, what she did and why she did it to, like, save him. Like, that made sense. But at the same time, I'm like, dang, you know? Like, why does she have to turn into Bubbles? You know, and why does she have to leave him alone? And I feel like, um, because we see him practicing with the team and everything, and like, you know, they're still competing and whatnot. And, like, I'm iffy on the last few minutes, but I believe she was, like, still kind of there in bubble form or something like that. Or no, the bubbles went away, didn't they? I don't think we was... I don't know. We don't get much after him crying. Yeah. We just see that he's practicing so, with the team, really. So, like... Yeah, I don't think the whole bubble problem is resolved. I don't know. Maybe she'll come back. But I don't... It was left kind of weirdly open-ended, so I don't know. Well... We see her come back because she's kind of toilfully playing with um, Hibiki as he jumps around. Yeah, as a but bubble. Like, 
as a bubble but we don't really see more bubbles all we see is like the the second impact you know kind of being averted mm -hmm. so yeah but yeah. i mean yeah so i thought it was a okay ending i wish it, it could have been a little better in my opinion but it wasn't like the end of the world i guess how did you feel about what? it i th i thought it was fine I had emotions, especially when we weren't getting our happy ending. But um, for what it was, it was an okay enough ending. Yeah. Which kind of fit with my whole vibe of the show. Okay enough. I agree. I agree, friend. So I guess I guess we'll see. Um, if you're currently paying for Netflix, watch this film. Yes. If you're not, still watch this film. Because it's worth it. It's worth it to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely, I agree. It's worth it to experience. Whether you go back and rewatch it, that's up to you. It's no Ponyo, but, you know. Yeah, it's definitely not it's fine. You know, Ponyo. That is... Ponyo is his own thing. Um, Ponyo is the Little Mermaid done without post-apocalyptic bullshit. <laughs> so, lightweight Ponyo. Memorable. Yes, okay. But, uh, yeah. Cool. But, all right. Yeah, no, uh, definitely go watch this film. We'll catch y'all later for more anime and your typical Shono protagonist. You catch our product on all your podcasts. We're talking about Spotify, Instagram. Uh, what the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> Spotify. Uh, Apple iTunes. Podcasts, yeah. Apple Podcasts. Amazon Podcast. At your typical Shono protagonist. Or at Twitter at your TSP, that's your URTSP on Twitter. Kai, you have stuff too? Yes, you can find me at Static Dreads with a Z on Twitter where I made a post that I probably shouldn't have made, but it's funny, so I read nothing. And uh, you can also catch the other product at Content Breaker, Podcatchers, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. Excellent tip breaker. We'll catch y'all next time for more Your Typical Shona Protagonist.